0: CPAC takes up the entire weekend as Donald Trump gives his speech and sucks the air out of the room, but we'll talk about that and some of the other speeches that were given. Leftists on social media find a very, very well-known Nazi symbol at CPAC that I don't know about you guys, but I didn't even know about until Saturday. I had never seen that symbol before, but we'll talk a bit about what's going on there. Andy Cuomo has a new accuser and possibly could be facing down an investigation, so we'll talk just a bit about that. And the Federal Reserve actually went down for a little while last week, and nobody talked about it, so we will make sure to talk about that as well. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning folks. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We've got some stuff to get to here today and unfortunately almost the entire show is devoted to CPAC. I've got some other stuff up on the back half but yeah I just I'm looking down at all my articles and CPAC, 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 CPAC. So it's what the news wanted to talk about for sure. So we'll talk about what they wanted to talk about. But I do have some other things as well because they're trying to cover some stuff up with the fact that oh my god there was an evil Nazi symbol. Over on the CPAC floor, I do want to thank everybody who came and hung out with me for the ad Talk this weekend. As of right now, it is unlisted because somebody decided to come in and go and yell the N-word all over the place uh, on one of the calls that called in and several of the other calls that called in. The first time I figured it out, the second time I had my finger hovered over the dumb button, but still... I have it unlisted. I'm going to take some time, because I can still download and access it, and it looks like some people can actually still see it, so I'm not sure what's going on with that. But I'm going to take it down. I'm going to edit that part out. And, uh, you know, it's I'm not going to impede on someone's freedom of speech, but it's my freedom to bring it up as to how I want to distribute it back out as well. I don't like that word. I don't care for it. I don't care for the sentiment behind it, so it's not going to appear on my program. And I'm going to get rid of it, put it back up on the audio platform for you guys. We got some good conversation Outside of those couple callers as well. So definitely looking forward to getting that back out to you. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And before we get into any of the news of the day, head on over to freedomscoop.com. FreedomScoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs. We are currently under construction, so hit that bookmark and come and get ready to hang out with my friends at The Generational Gap, The Daily Ignoramus, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The Freckles and Brit Show, and The Already Conservative. We will have swag, we'll have writing, we'll have a bunch of stuff ready to go up and ready to go, but just ho- go ahead and hit that bookmark and wait until you can see us, and then you can pick up some of our swag and help us support great creators. Alright, let's look at the markets here. Uh, The Dow on Friday took a heavy drop and kind of stayed steady throughout where the drop landed here, Uh, stopping just a little bit above where the lowest point of the day was, ending the day at 30,932.37, so we'll see what happens there. It looks like the futures are turning upwards. Bitcoin is also on a decline right now, uh, coming down from Friday's 49000 mark to 48335 U.S. dollars and 60 U.S. cents. So people are sitting at the top realizing they made their money. They're coming back. Some of them are probably retiring off of this one here. I could anticipate this coming back, but I'm not going to give you financial advice either because, hey, all I know is what I see throughout the day here and that's where it goes, but there are speculators that say the bottom's going to drop out because it's going to be made illegal by the Federal Reserve, and there are others who say that it's going to hit a hundred thousand a coin, possibly a million a coin. I think the million's a little bit of a stretch, to be completely honest, but a hundred thousand a coin, depending on where they go with inflation and how many people buy into it, that's a good, distinct possibility. So we'll see what's happening there. On words from the investors. Starting with IBD, Dow Jones futures signal stock market rally isn't over. Neo Zoom on tap from Ed Carson. Dow Jones futures rose sharply early Monday morning, along with S&P 500 futures and Nasdaq futures. The stock market rally came under pressure last week, with the Nasdaq and speculative growth names hardest hit. Tesla rival Neo and Zoom Video Communications reports earnings Monday, but both big 2020 winners are well off highs, along with Tesla stock itself. This is a time to be defensive and looking for stocks that are holding up well. Taiwan Semiconductor, GM, RH, Target, and InMode are worth watching to see if they can form proper bases while the market sorts itself out. The market rally, now an uptrend under pressure, is at a turning point. Regaining key support levels would uh, signal renewed strength, but a Nasdaq break below last week's low would send a bearish signal. Tesla stock and Taiwan Semiconductor are on the IBD leaderboard. Tesla and TSM stock are on the IBD 50. RH was Friday's IBD stock of the day. On the futures which are looking very very healthy right now. Dow Jones futures uh, rose 1.1% versus fair value. S&P 500 futures advanced 1.1% and NASDAQ 100 futures jumped one and a quarter. Government bond yields around the world, including treasury yields, fell. The Reserve Bank of Australia said it would buy $4 billion in Australian dollars, which is $3.1 billion U.S. dollars in long-term bonds, double what it had been buying. The House passed the $1.9 trillion Biden stimulus plan on Saturday, including $1,400 stimulus checks. For many Americans, it also has a $15-an-hour minimum wage that can't be included under Senate rules for budget reconciliation. A couple of moderate Democrat senators will play a key role in how large the stimulus plan ultimately is. The Cakes in China Manufacturing Index fell a half a point on February to 50.9. Earlier, China's official manufacturing index fell from 51.3 in January to 50.6. In February, the services sector gauge fell 1 point to 51.4. Readings above 50 indicate growth. Remember, overnight action in Dow Futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. Alright, let's see what CNBC has to say over here. Dow futures jumped 300 points to start the week as rate fears ease from Maggie Fitzgerald. U.S. stock futures rose sharply in early morning trading on Monday as treasury yields retreated from the highs from last week, easing concerns about inflation that the higher rates would undermine equity valuations. Dow Jones Industrial Average futures rose 305 points or 0.9%, S&P 500 futures gained about 1%. Futures for the NASDAQ 100, the tech-heavy index that got hit hard last week, jumped by 1.3%. The 10-year Treasury yield dipped to 1.44% on Monday, off by two basis points from Friday and down from its recent high of one6 on Thursday, which rattled stocks. There were a broad base group of stock gainers, In the pre-market, economic reopenings, plays like Carnival Corp and American Airlines were higher by at least 3%. Tesla shares like Apple and Tesla were also higher. Last week, stocks were pressured by rising interest rates. Higher interest rates can threaten the dominance of equities as bonds are viewed as less risky and compress stock valuation by reducing the value of future cash flows, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and S&P 500 lost and 1.7% and uh, 2.5% respectively between Monday and Friday. The technology-heavy Nasdaq composite dropped more than 4% for the week, suffering its worst one-day sell-off since October on Thursday. Technologies companies rely on being able to borrow money for a low rate in order to invest in future growth. So, it looks like tech is waiting to see what happens with the Federal Reserve, what they're going to do looks like the federal reserve still claims that they're not going to inflate us into fucking oblivion here but as far as what they're actually going to do with 1.9 trillion dollars and i'm not going to raise your taxes unless you make a fuck ton of fucking money i don't see where they i don't see how it's going to happen I, I don't they're going to sit back and claim it but i have no idea how they're actually going to make it work so that's what we will see Let's move on. Starting with a tweet from Tim Pool. Tim Pool tweets out, what the fuck? Because, as we see in this video, let's back it up and have a listen.
1: Awesome
0: that is so cool to look at the people there's been for years for mm. <laughs> there it is folks the golden calf A six foot tall statue of Donald Trump cast in what appears to be gold. I mean, I didn't go up and knock on the fucking thing because I didn't go to Florida for this, but it appears to be cast in at least hollow gold. How many of their earrings do you think they all had to melt down to make that? Because I'm sure that they all just took off their earrings and tossed them into the forge and cast out the, the golden calf. Um, you know, I talked a lot about the religious fervor of the progressive left, which is very regressive and it's no longer progressive. I've talked a lot about that, uh, religious fervor. And then you see this shit. You make it really, really hard to argue for conservatism. When the Jesus, Jesus conservatives are bowing down to the golden God that they made. What is wrong with this country? Why does everyone have so much reliance on the government and who is in the government right now? I don't understand. But that's what they've been taught to do, I guess. I thought there was another video of this one. Let's open up the tweet itself. Yep, there's Gates taking pictures with fans. Other than that, just a bunch of blue check bullshit. All right. Let's talk about more stuff. Starting with Fox News. CPAC, five biggest moments from the weekend as Trump returns to the stage. Conservatives rail against Biden. Here are five key moments from this year's CPAC from David Arrow. The conservative political action conference wrapped up on Sunday following an anticipated speech from former President Donald Trump. Here are five key moments from this year's CPAC. Fox Nation is a sponsor of CPAC. Because, of course, they are. Trump rips into Biden during CPAC speech. Trump spoke at CPAC on Sunday morning, uh, marking his first major speech since leaving office. He spoke to a raucous pro Trump crowd in an event where his influence was felt throughout. Trump tore into President Biden on issues ranging from the brewing crisis at the border to foreign policy, as well as the reopening of schools during the coronavirus pandemic. Joe Biden has had the most disastrous first month of any president in modern history, Trump said, calling the new administration anti-jobs, anti-families, anti-border, anti-energy, anti-women, and anti-science. Okay, and I... You know, you talk about Joe Biden, creepy Joe, and he's very, very pro women, but it's it's not the kind of women that the rest of us are. He likes the little ones. He likes to he likes to sniff them. Okay, I I am very pro women, love women, all kinds of women. He focused predominantly on the escalating border crisis, which he returned to frequently as he ripped Biden's rollbacks of a number of Trump-era policies, which has in turn seen a surge in migrants at the border. It took the new administration only a few weeks to turn this unprecedented accomplishment into a self-inflicted humanitarian and national security disaster, he said. In one short month, we have gone from America first, okay? And America's the greatest. We're going to make that first to America last. Trump declares that he would not start a new political party. Trump said on Sunday he declared he would not start a new political party after, uh, after speculation last month. We're not starting new parties, okay? You know, they kept saying he's going to start a brand new party, Trump said. We have the Republican Party. It's the greatest party, okay? The Republican Party elected me president, so they're the greatest party. I love love the love the Republican Party, okay? Folks, it's going to unite and be stronger than ever before. The speculation that Trump was considering starting a new party began in the aftermath of the January 6th Selfie Fest. On Sunday, Trump declared that he is committed to the GOP. I am not starting a new party, Trump said. That is fake news, okay? Fake news, no. Wouldn't that be brilliant? Let's start a new party and let's divide our vote so that you can never win, no. We're not interested in that. Okay. Because of course he said fake news. Why wouldn't he? Uh, let's move on here. Matt Gates criticizes Andy Cuomo and Liz Cheney. Representative Matt Gates criticized Representative Liz Cheney, the most prominent GOP member of the House, to vote to impeach Trump during the first full day at CPAC. Speaking of people who should lose primaries, if Liz Cheney were on the stage today, she'd get booed off of it. The leadership of our party is not found in Washington, D.C., Gates told the crowd. Well, broken clock. He also pointed to the media's glowing treatment of Governor Andy Cuomo throughout much of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Now the fake news media and their allies in Silicon Valley made Governor Cuomo out to be some iconic cross between King David and Tom Brady. What a big lie that turned out to be, Gates remarked. Gates added that former aides to the three-term governor claimed that he suggested other staffers engage in strip poker, referring to a recent sexual harassment allegation against the governor, which Cuomo denies. Keep an eye on that here to see if... uh, We lose connection because it looks like that might happen. Meanwhile, they were stripping Granny out of uh, the COVID ward at the hospital and tossing her in the nursing home in just enough time to infect everyone and then go back to the hospital so that the deaths could be recategorized for politics. He continued. Yeah, that's all kind of a slimy, shitty situation. Ted Cruz talks about his Cancun trip, says the Republican Party is just not the party of country clubs. As he leaves his state while people are freezing to go hang out in Mexico. Senator Ted Cruz gave a passionate speech during CPAC on Friday, vowing that Trump-style populist Republicans are here to stay. The Republican Party is not just the party of country clubs the republican party is the party of steel workers and construction workers and pipeline workers and taxicab drivers and cops and firefighters and waiters and waitresses and the men and women with calluses on their hands who are working for this country that is our party and these deplorables are here to stay said cruz as he went back and checked his tan and made sure that he didn't have the mexican dysentery <clears throat> Let me tell you this right now, Don J. Trump ain't going nowhere, he continued. He also made light of the controversial brief trip with his family to Cancun, Mexico, last month as his home state of Texas was pounded by a deadly winter storm that sparked the severe power and water crisis. McCarthy predicts GOP will take the majority in 2022. Well, He's got two centuries of statistics standing behind him, so that's actually probably a possibility at this point. Once again, no crystal ball, and I can't make a prediction off of this, but just like most everything else, this program runs on statistics and statistics point in the direction of maybe not a red wave, because it doesn't necessarily always go like that, but losing houses... I'm sorry, losing seats in the House, which they don't have very many to lose. Now, the Senate, and I will go back and fully admit this, the Senate for Republicans does not have an easy map, so they are going to have to get their butts out there and campaign for 2022. They've got an easy map in 2024, but they are going to have to get their butts out and campaign for who's vulnerable and who's up in 2022. And this whole rotating six-year cycle as to Having a third of the Senate up every every two years does make it difficult, but if you look at who is up on the ticket for uh, for this year for the Senate, yeah. Support your local senator and support the ones that are out there because uh, they've got a hard road to go. It's not a chance we're going to get the majority back. We're five seats away, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said on Saturday during his uh, panel at CPAC. I would bet my house, don't tell my wife, but I would bet it, he said. This is the smallest majority Democrats have had in 100 years. Republicans picked up 12 seats in the 2020 election, and 538 predicted they're on track to take back the House in the next election. My guess, not a prediction right now, but my guess for the House is uh, R plus 14, depending on what they do. Just going on the uh, statistics and everything we've seen for the last 200 years. R plus 14 is where I'm going to see this one This one go. It's going to be a narrow win, but it's going to be a win. So that's what they're saying were the five tops for CPAC here. Let's see what CNN has to say about the Trump speech. From CNN Politics, Trump unleashes new threat to American democracy. Analysis. OPINION by Stephen Collinson Donald Trump has no remorse about the deadly violence he incited with his lies about a stolen election. It is uprising against the U.S. Congress. This was much, this much was clear, rather, when the ex-president put the Republican Party on notice Sunday that he intends to use his hold on its grassroots and try to suppress the vote heading into the presidential election in 2024 in which he hinted he might run. What an evil, evil man. He might run again. In his first public remarks since leaving the White House, he also dangerously lashed out at the Supreme Court justices for failing to intervene to throw him the election. He clearly lost to President Joe Biden. <laughs> they should be ashamed of themselves for what they've done to this country. The Supreme Court didn't have the guts or the courage to do anything about it, Trump fumed in an authoritarian speech at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Orlando, Florida, referring to false fraud claims thrown out by multiple judges. Last seen leaving Washington in disgrace. The ex-president's self-regarding wander through old political fights emphasized his obsession with revenge at a time when the attention of the majority of the nation not in his camp, is concentrating on more immediate concerns. The distribution of a third COVID-19 vaccine manufactured by Johnson & Johnson is stirring new hope that a version of normality could be restored by the summer. Depending on how it progresses in the Senate, the House passage of Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID rescue plan early Saturday could also accelerate the end of the pandemic that the ex-president ignored completely in his final weeks of office. The embittered former Commander-in-Chief power was locked in his false but damaging alternative reality, to which millions of his followers subscribe, that he was the victim of massive election fraud effort. The last time Trump publicly used the kind of language that he spewed on Sunday was when Congress was certifying Biden's election win and his mob, his evil, evil mob, invaded the U.S. Capitol, calling for the execution of then-Vice President Mike Pence, who refused to break the law to keep Trump in power. His latest comments suggest that the fight to safeguard U.S. Democratic institutions and the free elections did not end when he left the White House, but will be a key struggle in the run-up to the next presidential election. Please subscribe to CNN, because we've got to talk about the evil, evil orange man once again. And it, You look at an article like this, and I mean, that's what it is. It's they talk about Trump's alternate reality, and I mean, this is an alternate reality. It's okay, he lost. I understand that he doesn't believe that he, I don't believe that he lost, except everything was completely above board, Susan. Wink, wink, honk, honk. But I don't believe it, just based on some of the things that we saw off of this, and the fact that nobody was willing to answer questions. They were willing to take questions for the last four years about the election integrity of 2016, but for 2020 it's, no, no, nothing to see here. Everything was fine. Stop asking questions, you fucking bigot. So yes, I have a lot of questions and I I don't believe that this went, except for the fact that everything was completely above board and nothing bad happened here. This is the kind of thing that they're putting out. But as we've seen from MSDNC and CNN, They need to sit back and talk about Trump. I mean, that's what's been dominating their news cycle. And this is the first time the dude has talked since he left office publicly. Yes, he'll throw something out on his letterhead from the office of the former president every once in a while. But for the most part, he has kept his fucking mouth shut, which is good. I like that. And honestly, if he does want to run in 2024, which I don't know if I would vote for him a third time. Unless they are really, 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 really fuck up the country from the Biden Harris administration. But if he does want to run again, that's the best thing that he could possibly do is to keep his fucking mouth shut for the next four years. Hey, guys, should we sign up for CNN's newsletter? No, go to hell. But right, it's, and it's like we've said on both the Red Net show and over on this show as well. It's They need to have Trump to talk about because otherwise they have to talk about Biden. And they do not want to talk about Biden. It's the same thing with what we talked about on Friday, with the fact that they're talking about the State of the Union and the fact that it doesn't seem that Biden wants to go and give one. Normally, I'm right on board with that because there's so much pageantry and there's so much stupidity going off of this. But I really want to see if that man can stand up for an hour and give a speech and not say something really stupid. Because I don't think he can. And the mainstreams don't want to cover him. So that's what CNN has to say about uh, Trump's speech. Uh, Let's see what Axios has got to say. Also no friend to the former president. In CPAC speech, Trump says he won't start a third party from Elena Treen and Orion Rumler. In his first speech since leaving office, former President Trump told the audience at the Conservative Political Action Committee that he would not start a third party because we have the Republican Party. The former president aims to cement himself as Republicans' presumptive 2024 nominee as his top contenders, including former members of his administration, face the challenge of running against the GOP's most popular politician. Trump made clear that he isn't going anywhere and treated CPAC speech like one of his MAGA rallies, bouncing around on topics bashing political opponents and listing long-held grievances. After predicting that President Biden would lose the White House decisively four years from now, Trump said he might run again in 2024 while repeating the false claim that he won the 2020 election. Actually, as you know, they just lost the White House. Who knows, I may even decide to beat them for a third time, okay? This election was rigged, Trump falsely claimed, before calling for heavy restrictions on mail-in and absentee voting. That's just probably a good thing, and I saw some people, because they were talking about this, of course, on Twitter, and it was trending about voter ID, and people coming in from other countries were coming in and saying, hey, we have voter ID, and we're fine, and you guys keep saying that you want to be like the rest of the world, so, hey, why not throw a voter ID up there? No longer able to do so on Twitter, Trump spent a good portion of his speech sowing doubt in about the election and stoking the same anger among his base that led to the violence at the Capitol on 1-6. So they're going to go with that narrative once again. 2024 contenders like Pompeo, Haley, and Pence, two of whom skipped CPAC this year, will need to throw their hat in the ring earlier than their potential challengers who are in office. Let's see. How do I feel about a President Pompeo, a President Haley, and a President Pence? Let's see. How do I feel about those three? Hell no. Fuck no. God no. I don't know if I made that clear or not. The former Trump administration officials no longer have the public platform needed to stay relevant on a day-to-day basis. Trump's derisive language and refusal to take a back seat is also further contributing to the factions we're seeking to sh- take shape within the GOP. Mitch McConnell had to eat crow after taking a beating from Trump followers. I'm um, sorry, taking a beating from Trump following, not followers, his scathing remarks about the former president's role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. The minority leader said he wouldn't absolutely support Trump if he were the 2024 Republican nominee. Mitt Romney. The Democrat in red clothing, arguably Trump's biggest GOP detractor in Congress, said this week that Trump would probably win the 2024 nomination if he ran. And sadly enough, he probably would. And he is going to be a kingmaker for a long time in that party. And that's, I mean, we're seeing this from CPAC. This is the Trump party at this point, And while I don't respect the fact that There is the religious fervor that goes around with this, with the golden calf being wheeled around CPAC. With everything else, I understand what it means. I can both disrespect the idea and understand what it means for the party. And there is the religious fervor, just like there is behind Bernie Sanders, just like there is behind the progressive uh, politics, just like there is behind AOC Biscuit. There is a religious fervor, which means these people will crawl over broken glass To vote for their favorite politician. And it's the same thing. Bernie Sanders. Exactly the same way. People will... His followers, even though he's going to be 82 the next time he tries to run, and I guarantee he's going to try and do it again, his followers will crawl over broken glass to go and vote for him. They absolutely will. And Trump will be the same thing. So yes, whether or not he is the nominee or the kingmaker... He's going to shape what it is that his followers do, the people who still have his flags up. And yes, right now, he is the party. So we'll definitely be watching that. And, you know, as I said at the beginning, the best thing that he can do right now is go down to Mar-a-Lago, play golf for three years, Shred every piece of letterhead that he has from the office of the former president. And just not talk for four years. That is legitimately the best thing that he can do right now. I don't know if he's going to do it, but that is the best thing that he could possibly do. All right, let's keep going. Trump pays tribute to Rush Limbaugh at CPAC speech. Irreplaceable, okay. Hey, cool, the Trovo chat isn't going back over. I just noticed that. Well, we'll have to fix that again. But my people over on Trovo, thanks for uh, coming in and hanging out with us. From Tyler Olson, former President Donald Trump on Sunday paid tribute to the late radio legend Rush Limbaugh, who was considered the voice of the conservative movement and who was one of the first high-profile right-wing media personalities to back Trump's 2016 presidential run. Trump made his comments during his address to the Conservative Political Action Conference. Limbaugh died of lung cancer, his wife Catherine announced on his radio show earlier this month. I also want to pay my love and respect, okay, to the great Rush Limbaugh, who's watching closely and smiling down on us, Trump said at the opening of his speech. He's watching, and he's loving it, okay, and he loves Catherine. Catherine, thank you for being here. It is is the greatest, okay. He loved you, Catherine. I will tell you that. I want to thank Rush and Catherine. Okay. Catherine and Rush. Rush and Catherine. Because what he did to get the word out has been incredible. Some people some people are irreplaceable. As Sean Hannity would say, Trump uh, later added in his, uh, in his address. And he said, Rush is irreplaceable, but his spirit lives on. And that's something that we need and that we love. Okay. Which, I mean, that's not surprising. There are a lot of people who probably rightly say that Limbaugh was the reason that the Donald got elected in the first place. Because, I mean, I remember way back in the primaries, way back when it was still a filled field. And I've got an incredibly neocon cousin who legitimately believes that we need a war in this country because that's how we take care of the welfare situation. We need a war and a big enough war that we have a draft and the people who are taking welfare are the first ones on the list. That's, that's what my cousin actually believes, which kind of turns my stomach a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but you know, to each his own and he can do his thing and I'll do mine, but he was the first one to come out and say, well, Trump, I mean, he's not going to go anywhere in any of this. He's a Democrat. He's just running for publicity and this and that and the next thing. And there was a lot of that sentiment at the beginning of the primaries. And Rush really was the first one to take him seriously. As, I don't know if necessarily a Republican presidential candidate, but as a presidential candidate who could win from any party. I don't know if he could have won from the Democrat party because they're pretty much lockstep and only their elitist uh, insider friends can run. But as an actual contender for the presidency, Rush took him seriously. So definitely something to look for and something to watch with this and see where it goes. But, uh, you know, I've got respect for Rush. And once again, I don't respect everything that he said because he was kind of a jackass. But I respect what he did for this and me sitting here talking to you guys every morning. Alright. So. And he really is irreplaceable, too. That, one, that much i got to give him. Alright, let's talk about some of the symbology that went along with this, because, as I said at the top of the show in the opening, this is apparently the most well-known Nazi symbol that ever existed. And I had legitimately never seen it before Saturday. Ah, uh, reading from Forbes. See it backstage compared to Nazi symbol on social media from Peter Susiu. Comparisons of lawmakers to fascists and Nazis isn't uncommon these days, but on Saturday morning, the hashtag Nazi was trending alongside mentions of the annual Conservative Political Action Conference, where former President Trump is set to speak on Sunday. This time, it wasn't Republican lawmakers who were compared to Nazis, however, but rather the similarity of the stage to an ancient Norse symbol used by Nazis was noted by thousands of users on Twitter. By Saturday afternoon, there had been nearly a hundred thousand tweets that compared the CPAC stage to the Odal rune, which is used by a unit of the insidious Waffen F- uh, SS. Rather, The initially named the SS Volunteer Division Prince Eugen, SS Freiwilligen Division Prince Eugen, later the Seventh Volunteer Mountain Division. That unit was formed in 1941 and took part exclusively in action against the communist-led Yugoslavian partisans during the Second World War. Many on Twitter shared images of the symbol along with photos of the CPAC stage. However, it is important to note that the Odal rune, which is also known as the Othala rune, Predates the Nazi movement at the Third Reich by centuries, and it first appeared between the third and eighth centuries. While it was adopted by the Nazi Ger- uh, Germany and has been used by various neo Nazi groups, it seems dubious to think that the design was intention. As of Saturday afternoon, the fact check website Snopes.com would only suggest it was unproven that the stage at CPAC twenty twenty one was intentionally designed to look like the early European rune. One user, Jack Andrew Giddis, even took the time to share a photo of his kitchen floor, adding, Here's a part of my kitchen floor during the day, lit by natural light. If you stand in one spot with the ceiling lights, you get this. But I stress, it's undetectable unless you're a specific spot my kitchen floor is. Coincidence, CPAC Stage, I have my doubts. However, many users responded to the claims on social media that too much was being read into the apparent symbolism. Author Jim C. Hines was among those who suggested that the choice of stage design likely didn't mean to copy the infamous symbol out of curiosity. Has there been any pattern the Democrats have uh, accidentally using Nazi symbolism and uh, iconography? If that sort of thing is an innocent and unavoidable mistake, you'd expect it to happen regardless of political party, right? Another user. Rasta1619 also questioned how commonly known this symbol actually is in the mainstream. The Odal rune is now in the spotlight just weeks after the other eagle-eyed, uh, eagle-eyed users rather on Twitter noted that during President Joe Biden's inauguration, the Betsy Ross flag was seen. Former Republican Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker was among those who took notice of the flag. He addressed the issue directly from his Twitter account. It was also a dozen years ago on August 6th of 2008 when uh, that conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh compared the new healthcare logo used by Obama administration to that of the Nazi eagle. while that could be seen as a stretch. Well, so could this. Any visitor to Washington DC is likely going to see a number of fascist symbols and not those carried by protesters, but rather on the buildings. So, I mean, the Forbes article goes on to go talk about some of the things from U.S. history here. But, and this is the point that I had with all of this. And I should have pulled the other article because I didn't realize that all the pictures that came with this didn't load as well. But, okay, I saw the SS uniform with the symbol on it. And yes, I believe that there is a stunning resemblance between that symbol and what the stage looked like. And as I said on the Cullen show, I can completely Occam's razor that away, because looking at the room that they had, the stage setup that they had, and the fact that they have a catwalk running up against both of the panels, with a center stage sitting out in front, the design choice would have been in and of itself. But I'm always amazed by the fact that social media is out here looking. They are specifically searching to try and find that symbology just so they can come up and say, Oh, look at that. Trump's a Nazi. He's a Nazi. Look at him. He's a Nazi. And I had never seen, I mean, this is supposed to be one of the best known symbols of Nazi iconography in the world. I had legitimately never seen this symbol before Saturday. Never, ever, 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 ever. I had never, ever seen this. But apparently everybody knew what it was right away. And this means that they're Nazis, they're this, they're that. So that's what they're trying to come back with this. Let's see what Newsweek has to say. Chuck U. Schumer Bernie Sanders take aim at Republicans after Donald Trump's CPAC speech. From Jack Dutton. Senate Majority Leader Chuck U. Schumer and Budget Committee Chairman Senator Bernie Sanders... Late into the Republican Party after Donald Trump's speech at the Conservative Political Action Conference on Sunday. The former president was met with rapturous applause at the event after he criticized Democratic President Joe Biden's first month in the White House, saying it was the most disastrous of any president in modern history, okay? Already, the Biden administration has proven that they're anti-jobs, anti-family, anti-everything. We read that already. Trump claimed that Biden was triggered by a massive flood of illegal immigrants into the country, the likes of which have never been seen before. He also repeated false claims of victory in the 2020 election, describing the contest he lost as rigged. Schumer was quick to respond on Twitter, picking out the former president's record fighting, the COVID-19 pandemic. Trump left us in a place where nearly 500,000 had died of COVID, citation needed please, Trump left us after inspiring, directing, propelling the mob to the Capitol to violently prevent transfer of power, but Republicans in Congress still joined CPAC, where Trump repeated his big lie today, unconscionable, Schumer wrote. On January 20th, when Biden was inaugurated, just over 400,000 had died of COVID-19 in the U.S. Citation needed, please. But that's actually kind of interesting because we've had COVID for a year. We've been doing 15 days to uh, slow the spread for over a year at this point. And 20% of the deaths from COVID have happened on Biden's watch, which has only been a little bit over a month at this point. So 20% of the carnage goes on Biden and on his watch. So that's something interesting to note. And I still don't believe that number. I'm just going by the numbers that they're presenting rather than the numbers that are probably actually more realistic. Sanders, who ran against Biden in the Democratic presidential primaries last year, accused the GOP of abandoning democracy. Not a democracy. It's a republic. Sadly, the Republican Party has turned its back on democracy and evolved into an authoritarian party. Now, I'm going to try to t- ch- change my party to where we can, we can, by force, take the money away from the millionaires and billionaires. But don't worry, it's the Republicans who are the authoritarian party. Suppressing the vote, pushing big lies and conspiracy theories. He tweeted, Too many Americans have fought and died to defend our dem- democratic way of life. We cannot and will not fail them. In his CPAC speech, Trump hinted that he may run again for the presidency in 2024. Biden has failed in his number one duty as chief executive of enforcing America's laws. He said, prompting loud cheers and a standing ovation from the crowd. Well, we could possibly get rid of a few of those laws. That would be a cool thing. This alone should be reason enough for Democrats to suffer withering losses in the midterms and to lose the White House decisively four years from now. Trump then hinted at another run for office. Actually, you know, they just lost the White House. I may even decide to beat them for a third time. So, and once again, a lot of this is just a repeat of what we stopped from the beginning. But, yeah, Schumer and uh, Sanders, right up there, want to be the first one to take the swing at the to take the swing at the Donald. Let's keep going here. Talk about some of the other speakers. Christy Noem touts South Dakota, coronavirus response knocks lockdowns. In CPAC speech from Celine Castronuovo. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, in her address at the CPAC on Saturday, touted her state's response to the coronavirus pandemic while criticizing other state leaders for resorting to restrictive measures to combat the virus. Noem, an ally of former President Trump, began her address in Orlando Saturday, stating that America needs conservatives for one reason, the year 2020. The question of why America needs conservatives can be answered by just mentioning one single year, and that year is 2020, she said. Everyone knows that almost overnight, we went from a roaring economy to a tragic nationwide shutdown. She continued before attributing a record low unemployment rate at the beginning of 2020 to Trump. The South Dakota governor went on to say that once the pandemic hit, many states chose to implement widespread shutdowns, which Noam said resulted in significant job losses, school closures and an economic downturn. Now, let me be clear. COVID didn't crush the economy, government crushed the economy, she said. Probably true. Noam added that South Dakota was the only state that never ordered a single business or church to close and also did not issue a shelter-in-place order or mask mandate, prompting applause and a standing ovation from many in the crowd. Noam also took aim at Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, claiming that President Biden's chief medical advisor is wrong a lot a comment that also received a standing ovation from the conference attendees. Yeah, this woman's uh, got a future in the in the party, in the Republican Party for sure. And I'm almost willing to move to South Dakota to see what it's like to have that roaring economy out there. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I'm willing to go have a look at least. All right, let's grab another one here from Fox. Dan Boncino took the stage, getting ready to renew his... Uh, his parlor account, and his parlor page. Dan Bongino calls conservatives to action at CPAC. Get off the mat and get back into the fight. From Charles Kreitz. Give that just a second cause it's going to autoplay on me. Maybe. Maybe. Alright, we'll figure it out when it does. Radio host and Fox News contributor Dan Bongino called conservatives to action <clears throat> in a rousing speech to close out the first full day. There it goes. Of the 2021 Conservative Political Action Conference in Orlando on Friday, Bongino told the crowd that they must finally put behind them President Trump's loss in 2020 and focus on taking back the House in 2022. Probably a good idea, fighting against big tech monopolies and the media voices calling to silence or censor opposing viewpoints. What matters more than anything is the fight right now, he said. All the rest is BS. There's no more time to sit down on our knees and cry and do this victim stuff. All of everything else is bull. Right now the fight is all that matters, said Boncino, who himself previously ran for Congress in the Maryland panhandle. Bongino agreed with pro-Trump sentiments that election night was devastating, but pointed how Democrats responded to Hillary Clinton's loss in 2016. The left, right after the election, they were out there in their pink hats in 2016, marching the next day. In that regard, Bongino called on conservatives to peacefully engage in politicking for the conservative movement to strengthen their chances in 2022 and 2024. It's up. For you, as evangelists, for the cause, to go out there and get everyone off their knees, and we go back right to the religion part of this, get everyone out of bed, get everyone off the mat, stand up, and get back in the fight now. Bongino then quoted the mythological Greek hero Anus, remarking that a victor is not victorious until the vanquished considers himself so. So, that's what we see from that, and we see much, much more religious iconography to go with it, but so much faith in the federal government and that's i mean so much desire and need to take the federal government back and i do understand the fact that the left-wing party of this country is out there fighting to get the federal government back into their hands because they need to have the federal government they can't depend on their state governments to give them the agenda that they want and they need to cram it down on everybody else and control the federal government from the other side supposedly means that it won't go that way. And I don't buy that for a half a second. But, I mean, he is right. I mean, If that's what you want, then you need to be out there doing that. I want to see an economy opened up where people are buying homes left and right. Where people are consuming new media and getting rid of the old media. And new media companies forming up left and right. I want competition on the new media, too. So, definitely uh, some things to look at with that. Let's keep going here. I got one from Newsweek. Goya Foods CEO Robert Unanu lauds Trump as real and legitimate president at CPAC, which led to a lot of hate going on yesterday. This is from Emily Sechore. Robert Unanu, the chief executive officer at Goya, continued to praise Donald Trump and align himself with the former president's false voter fraud allegations during a speech at the Conservative Political Action Conference on Sunday, Although Trump's term in the White House ended with President Biden's January 20th inauguration, after which point Trump continued to sow divisiveness and vehemently defend past actions amid a historic post-office impeachment trial, Unanu referred to him as the real, the legitimate, and still the actual chief of the executive branch, while delivering remarks on Sunday, which he is not. The Goya Food CEO has faced ongoing backlash for comments endorsing Trump over the past year. My biggest honor today is that I think we're going to be on the same stage as, in my opinion, the real, the legitimate, and still the actual president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, said Unano, addressing a crowd of attendees at the morning CPAC event in Orlando, Florida. The CEO then reiterated the unfounded claims related to illegitimate election proceedings, which Trump and his followers promoted after November's general contest. The claims are widely discredited. Yes, and he did that, and I just did buy some Goya because basically I wanted to trigger some left-wingers off of this, but there's so many people who are pissed off at this guy over this, and as far as going on and saying that Trump is the legitimate president at this point, I think that is a step too far. Now, I don't think that Biden is legitimate by any means, but I mean, he lost, he conceded it, and he walked off the stage. He took Marine One to Mar-a-Lago, and now he's a private citizen. Let him be a private citizen. Just let him do it. Let him go play golf, and then we'll regroup in four years and see what he wants to do then. Let's see, who else do we have here? Ted Cruz. We talked about, uh, a bit about this at the top article. Cruz pokes fun at Cancun. Don't go away, I'm not going to turn my eye block off. Controversy at CPAC. From Jordan Williams. Senator Ted Cruz poked fun at his controversial trip to Cancun during his appearance on Friday at the Conservative Political Action Conference. Opening his speech, Cruz owned the recent controversy surrounding his trip to Cancun as millions of Texans were left without power during a deadly winter storm. I gotta say, Orlando is awesome. It's not as nice as Cancun, but it's nice, Cruz told the crowd. CPAC is being held in Florida City this year instead of the Washington, D.C. area. Aaron Rupar tweets out: CPAC panelists are now lying about the uh, January 6th insurrection by trying to blame Antifa and Black Lives Matter for it. Let's have a listen to that, and then we'll listen to Cruz.
1: that kicked off YouTube for covering it. Um, I don't know, man. I'm serious. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I I go back and I go back to and w- to what I said before. There's a lot of people there. There's a lot of people there. The Antifa was there. BLM was there. MAGA people were there. Yeah. Everybody was there. And if Joe Biden wants to talk unity, <laughs> there was unity there on that day because America is sick and tired of being pushed down. And we're, we're sorry for, uh, well, a lot of people are sorry for what happened I kicked off YouTube for covering it. Um, I don't know, man.
0: All right, so that's what they had to say about uh, the Antifa thing, which that's been a recurring theory throughout. But and I actually buy into that a little bit because there were a lot of people there, and there was the herd mentality. Let's listen to what Cruz had to say. God bless CPAC. I got to say, Orlando is awesome, it's not as nice as Cancun, but it's nice. (laughs) And I got to say, what an amazing- Yeah, that was overcompensating by a lot. By quite a bit, that was overcompensating. Honestly. Fully. Cruz found himself the subject of controversy last week after photos emerged of him boarding a flight to Mexico. The Texas senator said he had been accompanying his daughters to the trip to Cancun. And the ticket log determined that was a lie. Upon returning to Houston, Cruz admitted to reporters that he was taking the trip was a mistake. Cruz was reportedly pranked at the uh, Senate gym for his trip, according to the NBC News. Lockers were lined with memes showing Cruz returning to the Houston airport dressed in casual attire. Residents of Texas suffered through power outages, water shortages last week due to the severe winter storm. And yes, if he was a private citizen, I would say, okay, well, he's got the money. Well, get the hell out of there. But he is a representative of the people. They're paying him a butt ton of money through taxes to go and represent uh, them to Texas. And while there was nothing that he could have done for Texas, if he would stayed in Texas, that trip was still in bad faith and it was still in bad optics. And he's hoping and praying that he can overcome that and still run for president in 2024. All right, I got another one here. Talking about CPAC and what was talked about there, Shamika Michelle explains how conservatives can better reach out to the African-American communities and be more inclusive, which I thought was an interesting idea because the outreach is there. The Democrats still to this day believe that the African-American vote is a given, that they don't have to do anything for it except for come out and say that Republicans are racists. So let's have a listen to what this has or what this sounds like.
1: I think they've been able to do that by being more inclusive. And I think that's something that we can learn in the conservative party. There's not just one type of black conservative. And I feel like that's where we failed over the last four years. We propped up one type of black conservative. And just because white people liked them, it was like, oh yeah, we love her. Oh God, she has her own thinking, you know, oh yeah, woo. But that wasn't necessarily who black you know, the black people really identify with. And I like to kind of make this analogy. A lot of people are familiar with the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. Now this is a story all about out. how my life got flipped, turned upside down. OK, just say Carlton and Will were both conservative. Carlton could go to Bel Air, and he could talk to the people of Bel Air all day long. But you could not send Carlton to Philly to talk to those people. You would have had to send Will to talk to the people who had the same type of life experiences that Will had. So when it comes to conservatives, you know, being conservative, stop propping up Carlton Banks thinking that Carlton is going to be the one (laughs) to be able to communicate with the the wills of the conservative party. You're going to have to prop up the wills so that they can speak the language that people understand and share experiences with. And I think that's how we fail. I feel like the Democrats do a very good job of making sure they have people that represent all around. And yep. that's what we need to do better as conservatives. You can't take Carlton to Philly going, it's not unusual <laughs> it. No, that's not gonna work. And to, um...
0: and to be completely honest, uh, Shamika's got I mean, she's got a great point there. It's one of the things that I think was great and magical about Ben Carson and him being the conservative presidential, uh, not the nominee, but uh, one of the hopefuls in uh, 2016, was absolutely, he can, I mean, yes, he grew up to be one of the top doctors in the world, but he has the same experience as a lot of the people from the inner city. And he overcame it. And he became one of the top doctors of the country. That's the person who should be... I mean, if you want to reach out to the black vote, that's who sh- you should be sending out there. Because he, he can talk to them. You do need to find the people. And it's it goes the same thing with the working class. Now, is the Donald a member of the working class? Absolutely fucking not. He is the furthest thing from the working class out there. But he was able to tap into it and find enough people to help him talk to these people, to talk to the working class, to get them on board. And so much of the working class right now is more on board with the Republican Party than they are with the Democrat Party. I don't know how that switch happened or how it changed, but there are so many more of them on board who are sitting here listening to Rush, who are listening to Prager, who are listening to all these AM radio shows, these AM talk shows, talking about the conservative ideals. Meanwhile, the Democrat Party is mostly, you know, the union vote has come out of the Democrat Party and it's mostly populated by the college students who believe that there are 75 Tumblr genders and you have to acknowledge every one of them individually every day as a sort of penance. It's also big business, big money, big pharma. But as make, and this goes for both parties, and even LP, too, if you want to go down that route. If you want to, and at some point, I'm actually going to sit down and talk with Brian Nichols about this. We haven't hammered anything out at this point, but if you want to sell your political ideology, you have to be able to speak to the people not that, that aren't in your party, or that aren't necessarily ever considering your party. We see the same struggle with libertarians. There's um, LP proper is a lot of people who are just going to come out there and tell you, what the libertarian wish list is, with no real backing as to how to how to sell it or how to implement it. Yes, they can come out and they can talk about taxation as theft, the non-aggression principle, and a lot of textbook examples of what libertarianism is. But they can't sit back and talk to this factory worker and say, hey, you know, if we get the government out of your way, there'll be some market competition and your wages might go up. That's the message that we have to have. And we have to be able to talk to the American people there. And honestly, conservatism or libertarianism, both also has to find a way to sit back and talk to the big business people because you want the votes of everybody. So. Definitely some things to look at with that. I've got one here from Rick Grinnell. I am an hour in and I'm only halfway through the show. This might be the record breaker right here. From Politico, Grinnell strongly hints at run for California governor at CPAC. From Ben Leonard. Richard Grinnell, a top ally of former President Donald Trump, strongly hinted at a run for California governor in a speech at the Conservative Political Action Conference on Saturday morning. In his CPAC address, the former U.S. ambassador to Germany and acting director of national intelligence railed on California and said he has never seen a better case for recall than the bid to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. And of course, if a public official is still failing to deliver on their promises and you can't limit their term or recall them in time, there's always one other option you can run against them yourself, Grinnell said to close his speech. Politico previously reported that Grinnell has been prepping for a run for governor in the deep blue state, which Trump lost by more uh, more than 29 percentage points in 2020. We are back! All right, just as we were getting ready to cut over here, it looks like we dropped connection briefly, so... Apologize for that. Hawley gets boisterous ovation at CPAC for Electoral College objection from Alexander Bolton. Senator Josh Hawley, who seemed to have become something of a pariah in the Senate since his Electoral College objection on January 6th and his fist-pumping show of encouragement to a pro-Trump crowd outside the Capitol earlier that day, received a boisterous ovation at the uh, Conservative Political Action Conference on Friday. Hawley, who admits he's not popular with his Senate colleagues, bassed in the adulation of the conservative crowd, declaring, I'm not going anywhere, and noting the efforts by the radical left, their corporate allies, and the liberal media to cancel them. Oh. I don't know if I have YouTube back. Yeah, I have it back. All right. I'm here today. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not backing down. Not a chance, Hawley declared on stage in Orlando, his voice rising to a defiant yell. I just want to say to those people who say to us, oh, you're the past. Your moment is past. It's over. It's Joe Biden's America now. We're not the past. We're the future. We represent the future of this country, he said. We're not going to back down to the woke mob. We're not going to back down to the uh, cancel culture. We're not going to be told what we can say or can do. Holly said conservatives are facing a fight for the republic itself. And what he called an unprecedented alliance between radical liberals and the biggest, most powerful corporations in the history of the world, referring to Google, Facebook, and Twitter. So, with that, there are a couple things to talk about with that as well, and I'm not going to go deep into this because, like I said, it's, An hour and 12 minutes in, and we're only halfway through the program at this point, but I do want to point out what what Holly's saying with this and what it means. and It goes right along to, I mean, with him talking about cancel culture especially, it goes right along to what I said about Liz Cheney last week, toward the end of the week, and that is the fact that, I mean, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what ideology you espouse, no matter how you try to present yourself as a conservative right now, Liz Cheney came out and said, we are Republicans and we're not going to be the party of white supremacy. We're not going to be the party of racism. Well, it does not matter what you do. Liz Cheney could walk in and donate her entire salary and her entire net worth to the NAACP. And they would still find a way to call her a racist. She could go out there and hand every single penny that she has to charities supporting inner-city blacks. And she would still be a racist and a white supremacist. Or at least that would be the message that they would try to pin on her. So with that, and Holly talks about overcoming the cancel culture, that's exactly what it is. At this point, it's not about trying to come out and say oh no no i'm not racist i'm not this i'm not that it's all about coming out and trying to sell your message in spite of everything and make your message sound so good that no matter what they try to throw at you you're still going to be able to you're still going to be able to sell the good parts of your message because no matter what if you don't vote for a democrat and even a progressive democrat if you don't vote for whatever democrat they put in front of you You are a racist, you are a sexist, you're a homophobe, you're a bigot, you're a Nazi, you're this, you're that, the next thing. They're going to call you that no matter what you do, no matter what you say. So it's time to give the finger to cancel culture and still try to sell your message. All right, let's talk about the venue for a second here from Fox 10 Phoenix. Hi, it claps back at CPAC Haters. We take pride in operating a highly inclusive environment. I just want to say how entertaining it is to me that I'm looking at a Fox affiliate from Phoenix. And right at the top, there's a freeze warning. In Phoenix. It appears to be for Tucson, but still, that's that's awesome. Uh, This is by Fox Business. Hyatt Hotels defended its decision to host the 2021 Conservative Political Action Conference on Friday at a time when the political climate has become increasingly volatile, citing its beliefs that individuals and organizations should be able to peacefully gather and express their own views. The three-day event is being held by the Hyatt Regency in Orlando in Florida, featuring a slew of prominent Republican speakers, from lawmakers and former administration officials to President Donald Trump himself. A spokesperson for Hyatt told Fox Business in an emailed statement, that its primary goal was to provide a safe and inclusive environment for its colleagues, guests, and customers. We take pride in operating a highly inclusive environment, and we believe that the facilitation of gatherings is a central element of what we do as a hospitality company, the spokesperson said. We believe in the right of individuals and organizations to peacefully express their views, independent of the degree of which the perspective of those hosting the meetings and events at our hotels align with ours. Our own values support a culture that is characterized by empathy, respect, and diversity of opinions and backgrounds. We strive to bring this to light through what we do and how we engage with those in our care. And we see the cancel culture that goes with it. No justice, no peace, healing begins with justice, tweets out, and I can choose to boycott Hyatt because I don't support Nazi fascism or insurrectionists. You will be missed rn961 says, I like staying at Hyatt hotels, but I will never stay at another Hyatt now. Hashtag boycott Hyatt. Well, and that's what we're going to see here. I mean, these people, they think that they can come out, and some of these people too. Some of the people that are out there who are the woke college students are never going to stay at a Hyatt to begin with because it's very expensive to stay at a Hyatt, especially the Regency in Orlando. It's the Hyatt is not a cheap hotel by any stretch of the imagination. And Hyatt, with its fuck you money, knowing full well the clientele that's going to come in, looked at this, looked at the kind of money they're getting off CPAC, and the kind of attention they're getting off CPAC, and how many drum supporters now want to come back and stay at every Hyatt in the country to come out and say that we supported Hyatt because Hyatt supported us, looked at the woke cancel mob and said... So, that's what we have going off of that. All right, I got one from The Hill. I believe this is the last one on CPAC. 80 minutes just on CPAC. Conservative reporter confronts CNN's Jim Acosta at CPAC. From Thomas Moore. Former CNN White House correspondent Jim Acosta got entangled in a confrontation with a reporter for The Federalist at the Conservative Political Action Conference on Friday over his network's coverage of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Acosta was in the middle of an interview at CPAC when David Marcus, the New York correspondent for The Federalist, interrupted, asking repeatedly why CNN hasn't reported on the sexual abuse allegations Cuomo faces or his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. Hey Jim, I'm David Marcus from The Federalist. When are you guys going to start covering Cuomo, Marcus said in the video, which The Federalist later posted to Twitter. We do, Acosta said before asking if he could finish what he was doing before engaging with Marcus. Marcus continued to interrupt Acosta to ask about Cuomo in the video posted to Twitter. To claim that he won the election. Hey Jim, I'm Dave no, Marcus from the Federalist. When, when are you guys gonna start covering we, Cuomo? When are
1: you guys gonna start covering Cuomo? No, I'm asking you a serious question. No you, we do. no you don't, no you don't. We do. we no you don't. do. No you don't. He killed ten he killed ten thousand people and he's accused of sexual assault let me just finish and you guys want to talk about Ted Cruz. If you don't mind. So what? No, no. When, you when mind, are you going to start I'm covering finish this Obama? interview? Do, and then I we I can... do it this way, maybe just because
0: he's rude, I'll be rude. Sir, so let me just finish this interview and then I'll talk to you. Okay. If you don't no, mind, I, 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 I mean, No, I mean, no. Well, then, excuse me. I have an interview. Yeah. What are you uh, going to box go? me out? Uh, yeah. You're not
1: tall enough. Um, when are you going to start covering it, Jim? So when CNN going to deal with Cuomo? We are covering it. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not. Well, You're not. Okay. Well, you agree to disagree. No, we don't agree to disagree. You're not covering covering Cuomo. I'm
0: sorry,
1: but what do you think about about it? What do you have to say about Cuomo?
0: I'm here to do a job right
1: now. Oh, oh, oh. You You have plenty to say about Trump. Nothing to say about Cuomo?
0: I'm here to do a job.
1: What do you have to say about Cuomo? Nothing? Nothing, right? You have nothing to say about Andrew Cuomo. The emperor of New York and you have nothing to say. Okay. Then we see it. Then we at see it.
0: At least we'll don't rat on your
1: friends. Then we see yeah. it. Yeah, that's
0: good. That's good. At least you're loyal. <laughs> and I don't know if anybody else noticed that in the video, but the the Liberty Hangout uh, microphone that popped in there at thought the best of that. Um and honestly It's hard to say nothing something nice about uh Jim Acosta over this because this is essentially what Jim Acosta did when he was in the White House press box, talking to Sarah Sanders and Kayleigh McEnany. And it's kind of entertaining to see it go back and get back up in his face and see what happens there. And all of his friends coming out and try to defend him. And I love that too. Oh, well, at least you're loyal. You'll go back and try to defend your friends. That's, that was great. That was a great touch to that. I liked it. All right, so that's what we have. That's that's CPAC in 80 minutes. 80 minutes of CPAC. All right, let's see what Cuomo is doing right now. Reading from The Blaze as soon as it loads back up. Second former aide accuses Andy Cuomo of sexual harassment. The 25-year-old former aide alleges Cuomo asked her if she had sex with older men. From Paul Saka, a second woman has come forward to accuse the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, of sexual harassment. Charlotte Bennett told the New York Times, a former newspaper, that the Democrat governor of New York asked her if inapro- uh, inappropriate questions about her sex life. The 25-year-old former aide claimed that Cuomo sexually harassed her last spring. I understood that the governor wanted to sleep with me, and I felt horribly uncomfortable and scared, Bennett told the New York Times, a former newspaper and was wondering how I was going to get out of it and assumed it was the end of my job. Bennett, who graduated from Hamilton College in 2017, informed Cuomo that she was giving a speech at the school to students about her experience uh, as a survivor of sexual assault. The way he was repeating, you were raped and abused and attacked and assaulted and betrayed over and over again while looking at me directly in the eyes, was something out of a horror movie, Bennett wrote, in a text message to a friend. It was like he was testing me. Bennett, who founded the sexual misconduct uh, task force at the Hamilton College, alleges Cuomo was grooming her. Another time, while she was alone in Cuomo's office, that's a place I would never want to be if I had a vagina, After being asked to take dictation, the governor allegedly asked uh, intimate questions about her personal life. Bennett alleges that Cuomo asked her if she was romantically involved with someone, if she was monogamous in her relationships, and if she ever had sex with older men. Bennett texted a friend about the encounter, which she described as like the most explicit it could be. She claims that Cuomo told her he was lonely and said he wanted a girlfriend, preferably in the Albany area. He asked me if I believed age made a difference in relationships, and he also asked me in the same conversation if I'd ever been with an older man. Bennett said, uh, told the New York Times, which published the interview on Saturday night. Bennett alleges that he noted that he's fine with anyone above the age of 22. When Bennett talked about getting a tattoo, she said Cuomo suggested that she get the ink on her buttocks so people couldn't see the tattoo if she wore a dress. This is the second former aide to accuse Andrew Cuomo of sexual harassment in less than a week. Lindsay Boyland accused the governor on Wednesday, claiming that he kissed her on the lips without consent. She claimed that Cuomo harassed her for years, including touching her legs and joking about playing strip poker. Yeah, they have no more use for the dude, and uh, he's, uh, he's done in their eyes from what I can see off of this here. But hey, if you... If you elect the mob boss from the mask, which I should have loaded that picture up for you guys, because actually, let me see how easy it would be to find that. Because I did make that one. Let me get that open here and we'll go have a look at that. Hey, look, it's me. Yeah, there it is, right there. If you elect the mob boss from the mask, then you should probably expect there would be some level of corruption going on. And I don't know how New York didn't expect that and see that coming. All right. Let's see what Fox News has to say about this, which they're probably going to autoplay on me once again. But, you know, that's what happens when you disconnect. Cuomo acquiesces to demand that Attorney General Letitia James control the inquiry. From Edmund DeMarch, New York State Attorney General Letitia James, who was in uh, who in January rather released a report that claimed Governor Andrew Cuomo's administration dramatically undercounted COVID-19 nursing home deaths in the state, will have full control over the sexual harassment inquiry that threatens his administration. James said Sunday that she expected to be granted a referral that would give her office subpoena power and allow her to deputize shut that up for a second uh, an outside law firm for a rigorous and independent investigation after Cuomo announced Sunday he would grant her request. Senators Chuck U. Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand, both Democrats from New York, called for the investigative power to be granted to James so that she can conduct a transparent and thorough investigation with subpoena power. The Democrat and Chronicle reported and that Cuomo scandals against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, Fox News Shut up, you. At first wanted to refer the issue to Barbara Jones, a former US district judge, who worked with one of his former advisors. <clears throat> After that, idea was rejected. The paper reported that Cuomo wanted James to work with the judge. He appointed to help select an appropriate independent attorney to look into the matter. So, this is going to get interesting and spicy, and I mean, this was the guy who was, you know, possibly going to be the presidential nominee in 2024 if Biden lost, and now that they have no use for the guy anymore, now all this stuff is going to come out, and it's kind of entertaining to watch, but it's also kind of sad to see, looking at this and looking at what got covered up, because Boylan was talking about this way at the beginning of the commie fucking coup. And plus the nursing home thing off of this as well. So a lot of things to look at with this. A lot of things to go along with this. And we're going to be watching this for quite a while. All right. From the New York Post. Give that a second. There we go. Cuomo accused of pressuring female reporter to eat the whole sausage in a creepy video. Matt Binder tweets out, "Just thinking back to that time New York Governor Andrew Cuomo h- uh, hounded a local news reporter to eat the whole sausage." Don't
1: say white Will you the eat whole- the whole? I will eat the whole sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Who made that sausage? I can eat the whole sandwich. The whole sandwich. It wasn't like this 15, 20 years ago. It was when Rick Lazio did. Oh thank you, thank you. I don't know if i should eat the whole sausage in front of you, but I'm definitely gonna eat it. No excuses. Oh. You know everyone, you know the county executive? Nice I do. You. Now you're going to know me in a whole different level. My daughter, Michaela. Hello. Nice to meet you. I think we're going to be here a while. Yeah. We might be here a while. Oh, now just... there's a lot of pressure on me to oh, get this. Yes, it is. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm going to be on this side. Can I take a selfie with you while I eat my sandwich? Uh, there you go. That's, I think that's a fair trade. Yeah, there's too much sausage in that place. <laughs> yeah. You came to the inside the page. That's right. Said, you sort right. of thought my, my golden tape, right. it's not as easy to eat this right. in front of all these cameras as you think. T- well, that's yeah. right. That's your thing. Uh, <laughs> not only do you have to eat the sausage, that's but all. you have to That's part of the, the, being the governor, right? Learning yeah. Well, to there is a, a course, course you where camera. you get elected to office. They have a course called eating on camera and then eating on... Okay,
0: that's enough of that. A video showing Governor Andrew Cuomo challenging a female journalist to eat the whole sausage in front of him at the 2016 New York State Fair has resurfaced on social media amid allegations the governor sexually harassed the former staffers. I want to see you eat the whole sausage, the Democratic governor is heard telling then News Channel 9 reporter Beth Sefalu, as his daughter Michaela, sits quiet next to him, according to the video shared by journalist Matt Binder. I don't know if I should eat the whole sausage in front of you, but I'm definitely going to eat it, responds Sefalu, now a reporter and anchor at News 12 Westchester. Cuomo then invites Sefalu, who snaps a selfie with him while holding up her plate, to sit at the table. There's too much sausage in that picture, Cuomo said at the cringeworthy exchange, prompting laughter from the other diners. I don't know if that one is. I'm actually going to come right out and say, I don't know if that one was completely too far. I mean, it demonstrates a pattern. But, I mean, the girls seem to be into it too. So, that one may be. I don't know. It demonstrates a pattern more than it demonstrates another. I mean, if she came forward and said, I felt so uncomfortable by this, I'd be a little bit more into it to think of it. But uh, yeah, this just seems like a governor and a reporter having a good time together. So, I don't know. Funny to watch, though. All right, let's keep going here. I got one from the AP. Biden is finally going out to go and see Texas after it got warm. Biden surveys Texas weather damage encourages virus shots from Darlene Superville. A week later, President Biden heard firsthand from Texans clobbered by his month's brutal winter weather on Friday and pledged to stick with them for the long haul as he made his first trip to the major disaster area since he took office. Biden was briefed by emergency officials and thanked workers for doing God's work. He promised the federal government will be there for Texans as they try to recover, not just from his, the, the historic storm, but also the public health and economic crisis caused by the coronavirus pandemic. When a, when a crisis hits our states, like the one that hit Texas, it's not just a Republican or Democrat that's hurting, Biden said. It's, it's our fellow Americans that are hurting, and it's our job to help everyone in need. So, he's finally up out of the basement. He's going and making an appearance. Not in the middle of it. And, like I said, if Cruz hadn't gone to Cancun, this whole thing could have been Biden's Katrina. So, there he is. Let's keep going. Got just a few more here. <clears throat> Let's see if we can keep this under two hours. Uh, reports, Dems abandoning the idea of workaround wage hike and stimulus bill from Eric Quintanar. Rescue equals vaccine plus $15. We are all essential. Senate Democrats have reportedly decided to abandon the idea to increase the federal minimum wage so the House passed $1.9 trillion stimulus bill, a decision that was made after some Democrats briefly considered enacting a workaround wage hike that would comply with the Senate's complicated rules for passing the stimulus bill. The Wall Street Journal, citing three people familiar with the matter, reported Sunday evening that Democrats will no longer seek to use tax penalties or other options to compel companies into paying higher minimum wage. Two of the people familiar with the plan told the Wall Street Journal that the, the decision was made to get the bill passed more quickly. And they realize it's a poison pill and they're going to be under the bus. if Because, and that's a big part of this here, is usually once you get the pork and the poison pills in these bills, nobody hears about them, but people are sitting here with their hands together, waiting for these checks to come back out. Waiting to see their big payment come from the government. And under any other normal circumstance, they would have had no idea that this poison pill was sitting in this bill. And now they know it's there. Not only that, but they know that the judiciary, or I'm sorry, the parliamentarian has kicked the fucking thing back out. So they're sitting here waiting on bated breath for this thing and Knowing full well that it won't pass the parliamentarian and it won't pass the Senate without a filibuster, so there it goes. It's gone, and they could completely scrap the bill, and they have nobody to blame but themselves anymore because they do hold all three houses, and nobody knows how the Senate works. <clears throat> so it's very, very easy for the uh, the news media to come back and uh, pop them out. So. We'll definitely be watching that as we go along, but that's not going to be coming out of this. We'll see a single-issue bill come from this, and everybody argue about it forever and ever. From The Blaze. GOP Rep exposes wasteful spending in Democrats' stimulus bill by proposing $10,000 stimulus checks. From Chris Enlow, Prior to House Democrats passing their $1.9 trillion stimulus package early Saturday, Republican Rep. Paul Gosar introduced the amendment, increasing the stimulus check amount to $10,000 for individuals and $20,000 for married couples. The proposed amendment was meant to highlight the wasteful spending on items completely unrelated to the coronavirus relief. Gosar's amendment proposed eliminating 10 sections from the legislation that used taxpayer money to fund items unrelated to COVID relief. Specifically, Gosar sought to eliminate spending for farm loan assistance for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers, National Endowment for the Arts, National Endowment for the Humanities, Institute of Museum and Library Services, the Endowment for the Arts, the Humanities, and the Library Services. All the museums are closed right now, so they're not incurring costs other than a little bit of a federal lease and a little bit of electricity bill so-called vaccine confidence activities, global health initiatives, family planning, capital investment grants, National Railroad Passenger Corporation grants, special financial assistance program for financially troubled multi-employer plans. The billions of dollars saved by eliminating the funding on such non-COVID-related items should be given back to struggling Americans. In the form of increased stimulus check, Gosar said, in fact, Gozar explained on Twitter that only 9% of Pelosi's $1.9 trillion plan is related to COVID-19. I offered an amendment to prioritize $10,000 stimulus checks to Americans most affected by COVID-19 and lockdowns, the Arizona Republican said. Instead, Democrats chose foreign aid, big tech transit, and Pelosi's political priorities over direct relief to American citizens which is good. I mean, people need to know what's all in this. And I don't know if the American, pe- all the American people for right now know is the fact that they're getting a $1,400 stimulus check. And they know nothing else about what's in this because all they're talking about is what how it affects them. They know it's the minimum wage and the stimulus check, and they don't know anything else about it. So we should be able to go through this and pick it apart and see all the other stuff that's in here. Not just the one poison pill that everybody's going to sit back and argue about. So, we will see what happens there. And I mean, all of Twitter went through the, the last omnibus and pointed out everything else that was in that, which the last stimulus was tied to. Why can't we do that on this? And thank you to uh, Paul Gosar for bringing that out to our attention. All right, from the Hill. Who watched the Golden Globes last night? Not I. Faye Paler swipe at lack of diversity in Golden Globes monologue from Judy Kurtz. Co hosts Tina Faye and Amy Paler used their Golden Globes monologue to take a swipe at the lack of diversity among the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's membership. The two comedians hosted Sunday's annual awards ceremony from two separate coasts, New York and California, due to the coronavirus pandemic. During their opening remarks, 30 Rock's Fay and Parks and Recreation's Paler referenced the recent Los Angeles Times report that revealed that the HFPA had no black members in two decades. The group, Fay Cracked, uh, Faye Cracked rather, is made up of around 90 international No black journalists who attended movie junkets each year in search of a better life. Several high-profile entertainers, including Selma director Ava DuVernay, Kerry Washington, Olivia Wilde, and Shonda Rhimes, had signed a statement calling for increased identity within the 87-member body. The HFPA had previously pledged to improve diversity, saying the issue would also be addressed at Sunday's award show.
1: I'm Tina Fey coming to you from the beautiful Rainbow Room in New York City where indoor dining and outdoor muggings are back. Yes. And I am Amy Poehler here at the Beverly Hilton District 7 New Angeles. And this is the 78th Annual Hunger Games. Golden Globes. Golden Globes. Now, Tina and I are hosting from two different cities tonight, but the technology is so great you are never going to be able to tell the difference. It's going to be smooth sailing you won't even notice. (laughs) Oh, I've missed you, my love. I always knew my career would end with me wandering around the Rainbow Room, pretending to talk to Amy. I just thought it would be later. Ugh. But what an exciting night. (laughs) All the big blockbuster movies that came out of this year are nominated. Parts of a Lady, Irish Goodnight, Mauricio's Delve, Day Planner, Gronk. Allie G goes to Chicago. (laughs) And we'll be honoring all the fantastic TV shows you binge-watched this year. The American Office, Old Columbo's, (laughs) very one-sided news programs. (laughs) The Zoom town halls about your school staying closed. And of course, the Cranberry Juice skateboard guy. He's going to skateboard to all the nominated songs tonight. How exciting.
0: I know that a lot of people don't like female comedians. And for the most part, I don't either. But I, I do like Tina Fey. I do enjoy her uh, work. So, um, I <laughs> you know that Paler and Tina Fey are both raging leftists too. And the fact that they can still poke fun at each other for basically what the rest of us have been poking fun at them for uh, ever on as well. I mean, that's a little bit uh, encouraging. But diversity, diversity, diversity. So that's what we're going to see for that. All right, from The Blaze, Minneapolis paying social media influencers to spread city-approved messaging during the George Floyd trial. From Paul Saka, George Floyd isn't on trial. He's dead. Minneapolis officials are deeply concerned about how constituents would react to the upcoming trial regarding the police-involved death of George Floyd. Minneapolis will pay social media influencers to share city-generated and approved messages to communities that do not typically follow mainstream news sources. On Friday, the Minneapolis City Council approved $1,181,500 for public safety, communications, and engagement services related to the upcoming trials in the killing of George Floyd. Included in the more than one million dollars in spending for the George Floyd trial, Minneapolis will be paying six social media influencers with large local followings to share the city's messaging. Paid partnerships with community members who are considered trusted messengers and have a large social media presence to, uh, to share city-generated and improved messages. The city said that these partners also support our JIS situation monitoring, so we can address, dispel incorrect information. However, many activists were suspicious of the city-generated and approved messages, as well they should be. The key word here is city-approved, community activist Toussaint Morrison said. What do you think the messaging is going to be? It's going to be pro-city. It's going to be anti-protest. I don't think uh, this is about dismantling falsities, Michelle Gross, president of the community's action against police brutality, told the New York Times, a former newspaper. I think this is about crafting a narrative and controlling it, And I think people will see through this to be frank. Well, they're going to see through this because news programs like this are going to come out and tell you about the fact that they're coming up and doing this. I'm very interested to watch and see what happens in the trial of St. George. I kind of want to go and see how it happens. And I'm really more curious to see if there are actually riots that continue. Or if they just go away because it's not an election year. And honestly, with this one, I think it's about a good 50-50. It could go either way. But they're paying to make sure that uh, the true facts don't get out and only what Minneapolis wants you to know gets out. All right. I've got one here that I was supposed to cover on Friday. I completely blanked on. Something that a lot of people probably didn't know happened. And we'll be talking about this a little bit later on tonight as well. For the RedNet Show, hope you guys can join me over there. Maybe, there it goes. From CNN, the Federal Reserve suffers a widespread disruption to payment services. From Matt Egan, the Federal Reserve suffered a widespread disruption in multiple payment services Wednesday, including a system that banks and businesses rely on to zip trillions of dollars around the financial system each day. After experiencing problems for several hours, the crucial payment system, known as Fedwire, resumed normal operations shortly before 3 p.m. Eastern Time, according to the Fed's website. Other Fed business uh, services are still down, however, and this was as of Thursday, so I'm sure they're back up and going right now, but uh, yeah, as of Thursday, they were still down. In a statement, the Fed blamed an operational error and said that it's working to restore services and communicate with customers. Banks, businesses, and government agencies rely on Fedwire to transfer vast sums of money around the U.S. banking system. More than $3 trillion was transferred daily using Fedwire during the fourth quarter. The problems were widespread. The Fed staff became aware of a disruption for all services beginning around 11.15 a.m. Eastern Time, according to a message on the Fed website. And now, of course, we talk about Cuomo. We talk about uh, the bombing in Syria. There was so much else that happened last week, and this would have been big news, had not been for anything else going on here. And I do assume that this was covered up at some point too, because people didn't want, didn't want you sitting back and finding out about this. So, definitely something to take, uh, pay attention to, especially given the fact that the markets were crashing most of last week as well. The markets were coming down, and the Federal Reserve had a widespread disruption. Nobody talked about it. Nobody even seemed to know that it was going on. And I want to give some thanks to Mackenzie from over on Twitter, Kenzie Puff, friend of the show, who brought this up to my attention and even provided with articles that we could talk about. I have four of them linked in the Discord. But this is the one that I chose to come back and talk about. So I don't know where this affects the economy, but it's definitely something to pay attention to. i got another one here from CNN. U.S. begins distribution of a third COVID-19 vaccine as concerns grow over latest case trends. From Christina Maxouris. The U.S. just added another powerful tool against COVID-19 to its inventory, a third vaccine. This latest piece of good news comes at a time U.S. health leaders say is critical in the country's battle against the virus as dropping cases begin to plateau and concerns grow over highly transmissible variants. Starting tonight, 3.9 million doses of Johnson & Johnson will be distributed across all channels, states, tribes, territories, pharmacies, and community health centers. One senior administration official said on a Sunday night briefing call, those Johnson & Johnson doses will be delivered as early as this Tuesday morning. After the FDA authorized Johnson & Johnson vaccine Saturday, advisors to the Center for uh, Disease Control and Prevention, Voted the next day to recommend the vaccine. The agency's director signed off on that recommendation almost immediately, clearing the final hurdle before the vaccine can make it into arms. So now you have a third vaccine out there if you want to go out and take the vaccine without knowing how it's going to affect the population long term because there has not been a long term for the vaccine. It's there. It's ready to go. And now we're going to see some real three-way competition going off this. We'll possibly see some pricing go down, some availability go up. And it's there, ready for you. All right. And the last one. On the day. Destroying my faith in humanity. And I have nothing that restores my faith in humanity. Yes, I do. What am I saying? Oh, the places the woke will go. Dr. Seuss canceled for racial undertones. From Chrissy Clark. What pet should I get? I, I never read that one. I did read The Cat and the Hat, and Green Eggs and Ham. I do not like them, Sam I am, but I've never read What Pet Should I Get? A national educators uh, organization is telling schools to avoid reading Dr. Seuss because the children's books allegedly have racial undertones. Isn't Geisel Jewish? I have no idea. I thought that he was though. For more than 20 years, we're back on. I don't even know where I lost that connection here, but we're back on. Realizing that many schools continue to celebrate Read Across America Day in partial recognition of Dr. Seuss's birthday, it's important for us to be cognizant of research that may challenge our practice in this regard, the announcement reads, as we become more culturally responsive and racially conscious. All building leaders should know that in recent years, there has been research revealing racial undertones in the books written and the illustrations drawn by Dr. Seuss. <sighs> yeah, that happened. There's only one Dr. Seuss book that I know of that actually has racial undertones, and it's, they're talking about the racial undertones of society. And trying to eliminate the racial undertones by pointing out the absurdity of the racial undertones. And of course, I'm talking about snitches and other stories. Because those star-bellied snitches were absolutely racist. But, you know, here we're going to have this conversation. I would love to see how they come to this conclusion either. Of the 2,240 identified human characters, there are 45 of color, representing 2% of the total number of human characters, the study reads, of the 45 characters of color, 43 exhibited behaviors and appearances that align with harmful and stereotypical Orientalist tropes. The researchers surveyed 50 Dr. Seuss books that concluded that there is not enough diversity in children's books, many of which were written in the 50s. This actually happened. Folks. Theodore Geisel was not a racist. But they have to go find every reason to make somebody a racist at some point here. This actually happened. All right. That's it for the news. I can't. I can't anymore with the news anymore. But we are going to finish out the day because it's Monday. And I didn't think that I had something that restores my faith in humanity. But we have to do something. After seeing something stupid like that, we've got to do something that restores faith in humanity. And honestly, I'm looking around. I'm seeing. I went out yesterday and got a big bag of dirt, seeing the seedlings out. I got a big bag of dirt because I have grow lights because I've been raising carnivorous plants forever and ever. I've been raising them for four years now at this point. I've got a really good crop of them. And I might go back and sell some of them too at this point. But I decided since I have the grow lights and I have some extra space on the shelf that I keep them on for the grow lights. That I would go out and start planting early this year. So I got out and got a big bag of half frozen potting soil because the garden center is still outside at the Home Depot. And I see that they've already got the seeds out. I mean, not everybody is waiting until the last minute like I did last year either. They're actually getting out and getting started. I love gardening. I love growing my own food crops. And I had a very good harvest last year. I was very impressed by that. And the fact of the matter is, people are coming out and becoming less dependent on the government. It looks like the seed, I mean, seed prices are going up. So the popularity of growing your own food, not just waiting on the local farmer to get it through your produce department and get it out there is on the rise because people realize that the supply chains get interrupted and that they may not have that food on the table. And while a couple of carrots in a little home garden may not keep you alive long term, they'll keep you alive to fight another day. Whereas for so long, people just depended on whatever came out of the grocery store. There are actually people that believe that the humane way to eat meat is to get it out of the grocery store where no animals are harmed. People don't know what their supply chain is and the fact that people are coming out now and they're beginning to look into ways to feed themselves and be self-sufficient. People are baking their own bread. People are making their own waffles, their own scratch stuff. That restores my faith in humanity. Fuck the supply chain. Do it yourself. Learn how to do it yourself. Learn how to make as much from scratch as you can. Learn how to make your own dish soap, your own laundry soap, your own candles. Because if something goes down, you are your own first line of defense against the outside world, against starvation, and against everything else. I know we talked about it last year, people doing it as a hobby, but I look at this now and I look at the amount of seeds that were gone, the prices that have gone up, and the fact that people were still buying and getting ready to go with hope. Because people are taking this shit seriously now. They know that the government isn't going to be able to defend them, and the supply chains are going to be interrupted at a political whim. People know at this point they can't trust society to come back and do this for them. That restores my faith in humanity. And I hope I get a good garden out of this. Like I said, I've got some peppers planted and started. I've got some uh, I've got some onions going. Um, I've got some green onions getting ready to go. So it's not a huge one that I've started off with at this point, but I do hope that I can get a big garden this time and actually get some Other good crops coming. I I had a really good crop last year, and I hope I get it again. So definitely looking forward to that. Looking forward to see what happens from this. And looking forward to see what people can do once they stop depending on the government and the societal supply chain. And once we sit back and realize that price to live in a society is bullshit as well, because society could break down at a moment's notice, maybe we'll start realizing that taxation is theft too. Maybe. We don't know. That's that one's a bit of a stretch here, but we'll see what happens here. But that's going to be it for the day. I'll be back here tomorrow, uh, later on tonight, uh, rather for the Red Net show. We will not be on Elaine's Facebook page today. Because she's having problems with that. Um, We'll talk a bit about that tonight. But, yeah, we'll be talking about this Cuomo thing. We'll be talking about CPAC. We'll be talking about the bombing in Syria as well and what that means. That's actually going to be a top story for the day. So definitely looking forward to sharing that with uh, my wonderful co-hostess and you, the audience here. Looking forward to seeing that. Otherwise, we'll be back here tomorrow for more headlines and more news. Looking forward to that as well. Hope to see you there on either program. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary.